Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 645. For more information about our church, visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search for eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. Pray that every one of you are enjoying summer. You love summer? We've been enjoying a little bit of that liquid sunshine. It almost feels like England lately, just how much it's rained around here. By the way, I'm supporting England today, the World Cup. I just wore my English socks today. Is that okay? And I'm just supporting the boys who are playing today. But, you know, I want to talk about something that I believe is so special today. And that is this. I want to talk about you being the change that you want to see. A lot of you say, man, if only my world would change, if only my family would change, if only my boss would change, if only my teachers would change, if only my community, are you getting the picture? We want everything else to change, and that can be possible, but maybe we can bring the change. Maybe we can be the change in our work. Maybe we want everyone to be happier. Well, maybe we can bring happiness. We can be the change that we want to see. We actually had this as a theme for our church. I believe it was 2013 now, and we went into that year saying, be the change, be the change. And as we look around us today, we can easily get disgusted. We can easily become disturbed by what we see. It's almost overwhelming at times when you look at the sin that's around us today, the choices that people are making, the the decisions that are presented to us, the pressures that are up against us each and every day. And with that, and our disgust and our frustration and our questions, we can get so easily blinded by it all to the point that we fail to see our role and the place that God has given to us in all of this. Because I believe God has called us to this time. You may say, well, I don't believe that. Well, that's why you're alive. If God wanted you a generation ago or a century ago, he would have had you alive then. God has you alive right now for this reason. You are called right now to this time and to this place. And so what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? Because here's what I believe. Are you ready? I believe this. Your life can make a difference. And whether you choose to see that, I pray by the end of this message, you will understand that because we can feel so lonely. We can feel so silent. How can my life change? You see, as we look around us, there's really two choices that we have. Are you ready? We can either be changed by it or we can be the change to it. Come on, don't be changed by it. Come on, but be the change to it. Bring the change that you want to see to the world, as small as that feels, because that's what the enemy wants us to feel. Your voice is so small. Your talents and gifts, the ability that you have, no one sees you. You're not on a stage. You're not famous. No one really hears what you say. That's a lie from the enemy because that's his ploy and that's his plan to try to silence you. Because I've realized this in life. Sometimes it's just the smallest things can make the biggest difference. Just holding the door open and smiling can change someone's day. 
Come on, just saying a kind word and just being gracious to people can change their life. It's not always standing behind a pulpit. And you can stand behind a pulpit, but that doesn't mean there's anyone going to be in the church to listen to you. But you have an audience. You have people all around you every day. Don't ever minimize the impact and the responsibility that you have to your world around you. Because what I've realized is this, light expels darkness. Where there's light, darkness cannot abide. In fact, did you know this? God never created darkness. Darkness is not something He created. Darkness is only the result of no light. And so if there's darkness around us, it's because we're not being the true light of God that He has called us to do. And you may feel just like a little flame, but a little flame can bring out great light. What do we say so many times in this church? Don't curse the darkness. Light a candle. Be a candle. Bring hope to your world. But even as a church today, in the church world today, we've got to remember because we can get this consumer mentality. We can think that church is all about us. I said we can get to the place where we think church exists just for us. Where the reality is this, come on, church exists to be the hope to the world. Why do we exist? We exist for the world. Come on, if you ain't going to say amen, I'm going to say amen to that. And it's too much gimme, gimme, gimme. What about me? I need this and I need that. That's great. And you're going to get if you keep coming to this church. But one thing I want you to realize is it's not really about you any longer. Because you're saved and you know God. What about them? And that's where our mentality has got to be. We've got to create an atmosphere and a place where people can come and realize it's not just about me. Yes, it's important for me and I have to have something first to give. But I've got to realize what God has called me to be. And Matthew 5 tells us, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And I love what it says next. It says, you are a city that is set on a hill and that cannot be hidden. What do we know about a light? A switch can go on and off. That's not what God is telling us our light should be. Really what God is telling us is how our light should be is as a city on a hill. What does it mean? A city's going to be there tomorrow and the next day. It doesn't just vanish. Cities don't vanish in different circumstances or situations. They are there every day. And that's what God is calling us to be, a light that doesn't go off and on and hot and cold. But just like a city, we are consistent bringing hope to those around us. Literally a landmark to people in the world around us. These are the last days. We're living in the last days. Uh, and please, please believe me, I don't say that to freak you out today. Because as a child of God, you don't have to be afraid of the last days if your heart is right. <laughs> you don't have to be afraid. But the reason I say that is to show you the urgency of the matters. Signs of the times are all around us. In fact, I haven't got time, but we could go into detail after detail showing that everything has been fulfilled. And every scripture has been fulfilled that needs to take place for the rapture of the church, for God to come back. So where are we living right now? We're living in borrowed times. We're living in times right now that these are the end days. And and you may say, well, when's it going to happen? We have a scripture for that. You ready? Matthew 5 or Matthew 24, 36. However, no one knows the day 
nor the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son, Jesus Himself, because only the Father knows. So when will it happen? I don't know. That's all you've got? Yeah, that's all I've got because Jesus doesn't even know. But He's waiting and He's ready. But what we do know is this. We know what we are instructed to do while we are waiting. And you can sum it up really in two things. Number one, we're we're instructed to keep watch. That we need to be vigilant. That we need to be alert. We need to be out doing what God has called us to do. And the second thing we need to do is we need to be ready. So we've got to keep watch and we've got to be ready. Because this is definitely not the time to be ready. I'm just telling you right now. It's definitely not the time for not being ready. But then in all of this, we've got to recognize our role. And that's what I want to talk about. What is my place? What is my role in all of this? Mark 13, verse 10. It says this, For the good news must first be preached to all the nations. The good news is the gospel, the message of Christ. It's got to be spread. It's got to be told. It's got to be taken to the whole world. And that word's actually there, preached to all the nations, doesn't just literally mean countries and different nations. That word literally means different people groups. And so what do we have around us right now? We have nations in our community. We have nations in our school. We have nations. It's our responsibility not just to go to other countries, but in our country right now where we are to touch the nations, the worlds, the people who are all around us. So there's great instruction of what we are to do. And there is also an insight to what these last days will look like. Look what it says in Matthew 24 and encourage you to read all of Matthew 24 when you get home. But beginning in verse 37, it says, when the son of the man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time that Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came. It was too late is what that means. They didn't realize till it was too late. Come on, don't we talk to many people today and their argument is this, we still have time. It's it's okay, I have time. I remember James Matthews, a young boy in my class at school when I was 15 years of age. Oh, he would laugh at me in the group with everyone else, but when we were alone, he would say to me, I so respect you and the, uh, and the stand that you make in your life. And he said, one day I intend to give my life to Christ. James, if you're watching, he lives in Australia now. He sometimes watches via Facebook. James, have you made that decision yet, mate? Come on, we can say I'm young and I've got all the time in the world. That's what they said in Noah's day. And they didn't realize until the flood came and it was too late. And the Bible says, and it swept them all away. Do you realize, here's a side note. You can see the reason why God had to shut the door of the ark. He instructed Moses or Noah to bring everyone into the boat. But the Bible says God shut the door. And the reason why God shut the door was, can you imagine the screaming and hollering there must have been outside of that ark of all Noah's friends and all their family's friends saying, open the door, let us in. If they had the ability to open the door, they would have opened the door and everything would have been lost. And we can say, well, that's not the love of God. Oh, it is the love of God. 
Because God gave every one of them a chance as Noah would preach every day to repent and come into safety. And they saw the safety that they had. But they refused to listen. The Bible says, and it's going to be that way when the Son of Man comes again. As in the days of Noah. Can we look at that? Let's go back to Genesis. Genesis beginning in chapter 6 verse 5. Then the Lord saw that all the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only to evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart as in the days of Noah so now. Don't we see that all around us today? The evil intent of man's heart. How it must be grieving God to his very core. So the Lord said, verse 7, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things, birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have ever made them. What do we see from as the day of Noah? The first thing we see is this, God sees the wickedness. God sees the wickedness that's happening all around us. He knows man's heart. He sees man's heart. All this evil and sin is not hidden from him. It grieves God to his heart. It breaks God's heart. In Genesis, we just read, it grieved him so much that he literally wanted to wipe mankind out and start all over again. God sees the wickedness. But point number two, verse eight, but Noah found grace in the eyes of of the Lord. Listen to this. The Message Bible says, but Noah was different. I like that. But Noah was different. Everyone was wicked. There was evilness. But Noah was different. And listen, God says, and God liked what he saw in Noah. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You see, here's the second point. God knows the wickedness, but God is looking for someone. God is looking for his solution. And his solution is you. His solution is me. God is looking for someone different in these days. God is looking for someone who's not afraid to say, hey, listen, sin is sin and that's not right. God is looking for someone to say once again, you can argue with it all you want, but I choose to believe God's word. God is looking for someone that will do their part to be the light and bring the hope to their world. Not just someone to know of God. We've got a lot of people who know of God. Huh? We're not just talking about knowing of God and knowing God. But God is looking for people who will say, God, I don't want to just know you. I want to live for you. I I want to serve you. I, I, I want to step up and say, you know what? My life can make a difference. I want to be the change that my world needs to see. I'm going to bring The change. You see, that's the vision of our church. You hear it so often when you come through these doors. Life, love, purpose. We love it so much. We put it on shirts. We put it on walls. Why? Because we're proud of the vision that God has. This is the purpose of our church. The purpose of our church is for life to start. How does life start? Through knowing Jesus. 
You can only know Jesus by surrendering your heart to Him and through repentance and asking for forgiveness, we can know the grace and the mercy of God. That's why we do church every Sunday. We want you to know Jesus. For the first time today, we love that. We want you to know Jesus. If you're still saying, man, I don't know about this Jesus, you are welcome here because we want to help you get to know Jesus. But for those of you who have made that confession of faith, we want you to grow in that knowledge of Jesus and realize that your life has a purpose and your life has a plan. Life starts through knowing Jesus. Love happens. Why does love happen? Because you find freedom. You walk in freedom. You settle your yesterdays. You do life with other people. Come on. You get in groups. You get around other people and you allow life to begin to happen. Then what takes place? Purpose becomes revealed in your life. And that purpose is twofold. Number one, you discover your purpose. It's amazing how many people don't know what God has called them to do and what God has called them to be. And we want to help you with that, not because we're God, but through God's word, we believe we can instruct you and help you. And we've set up a growth track that you can discover your purpose. And we want you to discover that. For what reason? The last part is we want you to make a difference. God created you on purpose, with a purpose to use that purpose to make a difference in other people, to impact other people, to serve other people, to be a part of a dream team. And you see, I say all that. Why? For this reason. You're God's solution. You're God's hope for this world. You and I are called to be a part of that. How many times have you ever said or thought or or heard someone else to say something like this? Why won't God do something about this? Have you thought that, said that? Have you heard someone else say that? He has done something about it. He's called you. I said he has done something about it. Come on, he's got boots on the ground. It's you. He is doing something about it every day. And God is really saying to you, you do something about it. You've heard me share this story probably before. Benny Hinn in a dream one night was taken and he believes he was taken to the opening of hell. And he saw fire and sulfur and the heat and the smell, just everything out of this massive pit that he saw. And then he saw as far as the eye could see, men and women lined up behind each other as long as he could see. And all he watched is one after the other. They just walked and kept dropping and kept dropping and falling and falling into hell. And he screamed out, Why don't you do something about it? He turns to the angel with him. Do something about it. And the angel looked and says, We have. We put you on the earth. You've got to catch the vision of that. You've got to catch the reality of that. Every day around us, people are walking and dropping into a lost eternity because we are so caught up in ourselves and become so selfish and self-centered and we become silenced in what we are realizing I can't make a difference. Listen, you may not save someone today, but as long as you're moving them along the scale, you can't tell what's going to happen. The Bible says some waters, some sows. Come on, some harvest. Not everyone does that, but you've got to be moving people down the scale, doing your part, playing your role. Because here's what I believe. Are you ready? The highest achievement that could ever be given to any of us 
It's not the fact that we were a great parent, as important as that is. It's not the fact that we worked so hard and we were a top employee. I believe in all of those things, and the list could go on and on. But I believe the highest achievement that we could ever be given is this, that we have served God's purpose for our lives. That we have served the purpose of God. Look at this scripture from Acts 13, 36. It says, For David, after he served his own generation by the will of God, he fell asleep. I love that. The Message Bible says, David, having completed the work God set out for him. Come on, God has called us to serve our generations. God has called us to touch this world around us. God has a work set out for you. God needs you to be the change that you want to see And it happens this way. Are you ready? Here's the first way it happens. It happens to those who are closest to you. If you want to make a difference in your world, here's where you start. You start with those who are the closest to you. Hebrews 11 verse 7 says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, he moved with godly fear, he prepared, say with me, built. He built an ark for the saving of the whole world. No, he built an ark first for the saving of his household. That's his family. Our first responsibility is our families, those who are closest to us. Come on, our first reach has to be the closest reach. We don't have to go far to touch those who are closest to us. And that's God's purpose. That's where we begin to touch our families, to touch our friends, those in our inner circle. I just want to liberate you today. Are you ready? I want to free you today. God hasn't called you to save the whole world. I said, God hasn't called you to save the whole world. But I believe he has placed you to have an impact on those who are closest around you. I believe God has placed you there. Noah built an ark for his family first. I said, Noah built an ark for his family first. God has strategically placed you to have a great impact right where you're at. And don't minimize the impact that you can be, even if you don't see it. Well, who's listening to me? You'll be surprised at who's listening to you. And if no one outside of your home is listening, your kids are listening, your spouse is listening, those closest to you are having an impact. Don't walk past those on the way to save those when God has called you first to reach closest. Acts 16.31 The words say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. This is Paul and Silas. They've been in prison and there's a shaking and an earthquake takes place. And the jailer's now on his knees and say, what must I do to be saved? And what do they say to him? You just got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. Now what's been said here is not I make a decision. Now my family's automatically saved. That's not the case. But what it shows is the impact or the sphere of influence that I am required to reach and to touch and to impact around me. Come on, my classmates, my co-workers, my friends, my family. I need to be the change and bring the change that they need to be. I need to talk to them about God. I need to invite them. I need to bring them. I need to get them into this house. Come on, what impact are you having with those around you? Here's the first place to start. Do they even know you're a Christian? 
I mean, we shouldn't even have to ask that, but we need to. Uh, Are they shocked? What, man, you go to church? Never knew that. Oh, you're a Christian? Never knew that. My God, if someone is in close proximity to you and doesn't know you're a Christian, then you've got an issue. You've got a major problem and you need to get that right because you need to hit your knees and find God. Because I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter what you try to do. Light should be coming out of you. Wherever you are, it should be radiating out from you. Have you ever seen a light bulb talk? Doesn't have to. Why? Because it just shines. God's called you to shine. Sometimes I think we do too much talking instead of enough shining. Come on. We've just got to be what God has called us to be. Have an impact. Bring them to church. Get them in the house. Here's what I love. Pastor Chris Hodges said this. He said, you do what you can do and we'll do what you cannot do. Come on, you take them as far as you can, but bring them to church. Because I'm telling you right now, they're going to hear the gospel here. And we're going to do maybe what you can't do. You maybe can't explain it as good and you can't present it the same way. You don't have a band like Sarah and them just to lead people into worship. But you can bring them into that. You do what you can do. And then trust that we'll be ready and prepared. And I'm so thankful that we've got a church that every message, the opportunity for salvation is being presented. That should never get old to you because that means anytime you bring someone, there's an opportunity. Come on, if I'm bringing my best friend, I want them to have an opportunity to know Jesus, don't you? And I'm thinking about that. If I'm bringing someone who's so close and special to me, huh? How different would your church, you want your church to be for that person? Come on, think about that. Man, I'm bringing that special person. Man, I I really hope that such and such is on the door because they give the best hugs. I I really hope that they're, they're singing that song because, man, that's the best song I like. Something happens when you're bringing someone special to church. You want to make sure everything's special for them, don't you? Well, think about this. Someone's bringing someone special every week. And it's your place to make it a special place for them. It's your place to lead worship. You you don't have to be on a platform to lead worship. Lead it from your chair. Come on. You you don't have to be that example. Be that light. Be that special person for someone else. Make a difference. So we've got to start with those closest to us. The next one is we've got to reach in our generation. What I mean by that is just like David, in the place that you live, in the times that you live in, the Bible says Noah built a boat. Yes, for his family, but Noah also built a boat for other people too. Come on, you've got to touch your community. We've got to touch this city. We've got to touch this state. We've got to touch these Nations, do not ever underestimate your voice. Through social media now, you can impact the world. But the sad reality is we have the power to also negatively impact the world. Just because you're having bad feelings today, then give those to God. Don't give those to other people who cannot handle those. Take them to the one who can handle them and use your voice to speak of God and His goodness and mercy. And don't waste your breath on things that... Man, I'm preaching better than you're responding today. Be the light, be the light, be the light. 
So how can I reach my generation, pastor? How can I impact my school? How can I impact those around me? Okay, here it is. Instead of letting the culture tell you what to believe, make a stand for what you do believe. Make a stand for God's word. Be the change. You can all go that way if you want, but I'm not going that way. Set a new standard of truth, God's truth. I love what Joshua said to the children of Israel. He said in verse 24 or chapter 24 and verse 15, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then you choose today who you're going to serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors who served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the God of the Amorites in whose land you live? But as for me and my family, You do whatever you want to do. You can choose to go. You can choose to believe. You can choose to follow your feelings, which will lie to you. But as for me and my house, as for me and my life, I'm going to make the right decisions and believe my feelings are going to follow. Come on. I'm going to stand up for God because I'm going to serve God. That's who we're going to serve. Look at this statement. You've got to make the choice or the choice is going to be made for you. Come on, next slide, please. You've got to make the choice or the choice is going to be made for you. Oh, well, I'm just going to sit back. You're going to be losing that because someone else is going to make the choice for you. You've got to start making those choices for your generation, for those around you. Here's the next one closest to me for my generation and for God. How important is that, that I've got to serve God? For God, God is looking for a people. God needs you. Did you hear me? God needs you. God wants you. Second Chronicles 16 verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. New King James says, His eyes are running to and fro. All over the earth. He's looking for what? He's looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Again, you King James says God is looking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God is looking for someone. He's looking, he's looking, he's looking. We see it again in Ezekiel 22 and verse 30. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. That breaks my heart when I read that scripture. I said it breaks my heart that God is looking for someone. But he can't find anyone. I've changed that. Because I say, God, if there's no one else, there's always going to be me. I I pray this almost over my life daily. God, God, here's my prayer. God, you can always use me. God, I know I'm not perfect. I know I still say the wrong things. No, I still struggle with my thoughts. Come on, I'm preaching to you. Come on, we're in it together. Come on, just because we're behind a pulpit doesn't mean we're perfect. We struggle too. We have the same struggles. But yet, we've got to make our lives available to God. And every day I say, God, here I am. I don't know how you can use me and why you would want to use me. But God, here I am. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Me, God. Me, God. Choose me today. Use me today. I pray every day, God, give me a contact with someone that I can impact their life. God, here I am. Use me today. Use me, God, today. Your life can make a great difference for God if you just give your life to God. 
I want to give a shout out to all our dream teamers. Come on, if you're a dream teamer in the house, just wave at me right now. You know what I mean by a dream team? It's someone serving in the church. Come on, let me see right now. Come on, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, I'm thankful today for the band. Do you realize that the band got here at 7.45 this morning? The creative team to support them were here at 7.45. And for many of them, this is their only day that they could lie in because of their work schedule. But yet they still chose to get up early today. Thank you. Come on, I'm thankful today for our cafe team. I'm thankful today that the coffee was made when we came in. Anyone thank God for that? I love church and caffeine. Amen. Praise God. Thank God for that. Thank God my door was opened for me today and someone said, welcome home. You're in a good place. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the bus that picked people up. Man, we're so thankful. We love you guys. We love you. Thank you, drivers that made that possible. Thank you. Thank you to the e-kids, those in the nursery right now that are holding our screaming kids. Thank you. Thank you for the e-kids and kids club right now and our youth worship band that are singing to them. Thank you for the, the leaders that are sitting in small groups. Do you know we do small groups in our kids club? They're sitting in groups right now talking about God and, and bringing their prayer requests. I'm so thankful for those led by Bob and Christy who are in that house and Rich and Corinne who are serving other people. I'm thankful for Jim and the team of Crow Track that's serving every day. Come on, I'm thankful for every one of those. And why do I say all that? Because you need to join a team. You need to be a different maker. You can live the dream. That's why we call them dream teamers. Because you can live your dream by serving other people. There's plenty of room for you. And if you want to know the next step for that, just go to Grove Track, 11 o'clock today. You can start today. But let me quickly change the direction of this message. I'm serving those closest to me, my generation. I'm serving God. And giving my life to God. But why is there a reluctancy? Why is there such a reluctancy in our lives many times not to do? We hear it, we get excited, but we don't do it. I don't really want to call it an unwillingness. It's something Jesus talks about in Luke 10 verse 2. He says, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest, God, that he would send out laborers, laborers, laborers. Here's what I've concluded. Are you ready? I don't think it's necessary an unwillingness that people have. I think it's a fear. I think it's a fear that we have. And I just want to talk to that for a few seconds because the first fear I think we have many times of not being the change and stepping up and serving and realizing our life can make a difference is this that we're afraid of our past. We have a fear of our past, then I'm going to be exposed. They're going to know who I am. We we all have a past. Every one of us has a past in here. And if your past was that which would discredit you for being used by God, then none of us can be used. Let me say that again. If you think just because of the skeletons in your closet that God could never use you, then he would be incapable of using anyone because we all have the same past. We were lost. We were in sin. We did not know God. But Jesus came in and everything 
changes. Everything changes. Oh, but pastor, you don't know my mistakes and failures. No, maybe I don't, but Jesus does. And Jesus still knew those when he called you. The Bible says he stands at the door and he knocks. He's knocking at every door. He's not just knocking at the good people's door. In fact, he's probably knocking louder at the bad people's door. He's knocking louder maybe at your door today because you need him maybe more. And we all need him. But Jesus is not choosing which door to knock at. He's knocking at every door. Look at the people that Jesus built around him when he was here on this earth. He didn't go for the spiritual elite. They weren't a spiritual crew, were they? They were fishermen. They were, the, the, man, the, they were a motley crew. That were some tough characters right there. I mean, look at Peter. I mean, he grabbed a sword and chopped someone's ear off. That was a crew right there that Jesus was with. Because here's the reality of it all. Look at this. He knows your past but he doesn't want you to stay in it. You see, that's, that's the love that we have. God knows your past, but he doesn't want you to stay in it. Your past doesn't disqualify you. It just makes you relevant. Because now you have a testimony you can share and bring to other people. And you can look and say, no, I know what you were going through because I was there. But now I'm relevant and I have a testimony. I love this. Look at this statement. You've got to let go of your past so your past will let go of you. Philippians 3.13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Do I have my balloon? Do I, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do. Come on. Come on. But this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I don't know about you, but it sounds like he's saying two things. He says this one thing you need to do, but then he says you've got to forget the past and you've got to reach forward. It kind of sounds like two things to me. But I want to show you how it's one thing, because all you have to do is release the past. And when you release the past, come on, it's gone. Come on, you are then being propelled into the future that God has for your life. And that's what God wants in your life. Come on, you just got to let go of that past and that will propel you into the future that God has for your life. Fear number two, afraid of others. Ever been there? Living in that fear? Worried about what people will think, what people will say about you? Back to Noah. Noah built a boat. Noah built a boat in the middle of the land. I said, Noah built a boat in the middle of the land. People thought he was crazy. He said, man, you're nuts, Noah. He said, oh, but you don't understand. It's going to rain. They didn't even know what rain was, Renee. Seriously, the, the ground would open up and God would water it from the ground. They didn't even have a clue what rain was. So Noah's talking about rain that's going to come down and flood the earth. People are like, you're like nuts. You're like crazy. You're absolutely crazy. But I'm so glad that Noah didn't stop building because of what other people thought. I said, I'm so glad he didn't stop building because of what other people, he wasn't afraid of other people. He said, I know what God has called me to do and I'm going to keep building. You see, here's something that really concerns me. We are hiding while the world is fully exposing itself. We're worrying about what people would think and what people would say and we're hiding behind our Bibles. We're hiding behind our knees that we're praying on. We're hiding behind all these things where the world is coming out and boldly proclaiming everything that they are. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Rakshak, Benny. What did they say? Let it be known. We ain't going to bow. Everyone else bowed, but we're not going to. 
Look at this statement. We've got to get to the place in our lives where we are more concerned about obeying God than pleasing other people. Yeah. 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 Fear number three. Afraid to take that first step. That first step can be a daunting step. First step is always the hardest to take. You ever gone into a swimming pool and you're trying to ease in gently? You you just magnify the pain. The best thing you can do is you're like, and you're trying to just go in and you're like shivering. Best thing to do is just jump in. Oh, oh, it's going to hit you for a few seconds, but then you're going to get used to it. And that's what we've got to do in our lives. Noah, by faith, built a boat by faith. Do we have those pictures? Do we have those pictures? Let me show these pictures. Kelly and I had the privilege, actually, to be able to go and see the Ark replica. It is absolutely phenomenal in Kentucky. It was breathtaking to see the size of the Ark. There we are. We took a selfie just to make sure. It is absolutely phenomenal. Inside the door, you can see the doors. I think I've got a picture of us. Look at the doors right there. The replica of the ark, absolutely phenomenal just to go and see. But what I'm saying is this, we can be afraid to take that first step. The Bible says that Noah by faith built a boat. By faith. What do we know faith is? Hebrews 11 verse 1. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for. Notice the confidence in what we hope for. Not what we have right now, but the confidence of what we're hoping for. And it's the assurance about what we don't see. I don't have it yet. But faith is what? Taking that step, believe in God. Taking that step, believe in God. Taking that step, believe in God. I may not have it yet. My family may not be saved yet. I may not see that breakthrough yet. But God, I'm taking that step. I'm I'm trusting you. I'm not waiting to take that step. Because if you are, you're going to be left behind. You've got to take the risk. Chase a line. You've got to step out and find it. Growth is one step at a time. I wonder what's the first step that you need to take today. Maybe you need a breakthrough in your life. You need to take that first step today. Maybe you need a miracle in your life. You need to take that first step today. Maybe you need to repent. You need to take that first step. Because I'm telling you, if there is a thousand steps between you and God, He will take 999. But He needs you to take that first step. And before your foot's even planted down, He's right there. He's right there. Fear number four, afraid of failure. Are you there? I think these are the reasons why many times we don't realize our life can make a difference. Fear, fear, fear. Genesis 9, 11. Thus I establish my covenant with you. This is God speaking to Moses. Never, not Moses, Noah. Never again, the band can come back. Never again shall all flesh be cut off from the waters of the flood. Verse 13, I will set my rainbow promise in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. God's promise, he told Noah, look up. That's my promise for you. That I'll never leave you. I'll never destroy this world. But I'll be there with you. I sat outside my house. I believe it was yesterday morning or the morning before. And I was just looking at the lake that's in the back of our neighborhood. And you can see it from our yard. And there's a fountain in the middle of the lake. And I've sat there Hundreds of times, hundreds of times, because that's where I go out just to drink my hot tea in the morning and read my Bible. And I looked on Friday, I believe it was, and there was the most beautiful rainbow that was right in the fountain and touching down. And I'd just been preparing this message and I thought, God, you are so good because God, that's the promise. 
And every one of us need to remind ourselves of the promise that God has. And you know what the promise God has? I'll never leave you or forsake you. Hebrews 13 and 5. He himself has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Oh, we'll all mess up. We'll all fail. But that's not our identity. With God on our side, we're going to be victorious. Look at this statement. If you have never failed at something, it's because you have never tried. (laughs) Oh, you won't fail if you don't try. When every one of you came in here today, you should have been given something that looked like this. If you haven't, we haven't got time to go over this. But if you have, you can just grab this right now. I just want to share this with you. I'm already over time. I'm so sorry. Here's a ruler from zero to 100. I want to show you the purpose and the meaning that your life has. Because here's what I want you to do today. Are you ready? I want you to take this piece of paper and fold it at the time that you feel that your life may end. I'm folding mine at 85. I want to live to be 85 at least. Is that cool? So, so I'm going to just fold it right there. And then after you've folded it a couple of times, just rip that portion off right there and just throw it to the side. Everyone with me? Everyone with me right now? Next thing I want you to do is I want you to find your age. I'm going to go up to 46 because that's where I'm going to be in a month or so. Fold it at 46 right there. Okay? And then rip off the part from zero to 46. Throw it away. That's all the life that you have left to make a difference with. That's all the life that you have left to make a difference with. It's not as much and as long as you thought it was, maybe. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to set that somewhere, maybe in your car or on your mirror. I want you to set that. And every day I want you to look and realize, man, life is short and I maybe don't have as long as I think I have. But one thing I'm going to make sure of every day, and that is this. I'm going to be the change that my world needs to see. I'm going to bring the change. I'm going to touch those around me, my generation. I'm going to serve God. I'm not going to be afraid because God's not given me fear. But I'm going to step out and I'm going to use my life to make a difference. Come on, I'm going to serve in my church. I'm going to serve other people. I'm going to do whatever it takes with the little time that I have left. Bow your heads all over this place right now. Make a change.